Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi there, this is Cecilia, content producer at the Webby Awards. Are you making great work on the internet? If so, I want to take this moment to remind you that the final entry deadline for the 27th Annual Webby Awards is coming up on Friday, December 16th. This year, we're expanding our categories across websites and mobile sites, video, advertising, media, and PR, apps, dApps, and software, social, podcasts, games, and new this year, metaverse, immersive, and virtual. Check out all of our categories and enter your best work by the final entry deadline at webbyawards.com. From the Webby Awards, I'm David Michelle Davies. This is the Webby Podcast. Sometimes geeks can be chic. <laughs> oh. Reality. Stranger than virtual reality. Have fun playing with AI. <laughs> Stay creative, New York City. Hey there, and welcome back. We have a fun episode today. It's for the Web3 optimists, the Web3 pessimists, or just the Web3 curious. Our guest, Kathy Hackle, has made extraordinary contributions to the metaverse. From offering assistance to tech companies and products like HTC Vibe and Magic Leap, to her current position as Chief Metaverse Officer at Journey an innovative online consultancy. Kathy has worked diligently to create change and successfully usher in the newest era of the internet. We have a fun and lively chat, and I think you're going to love it. We start off talking about how she got her start in all things technology. You know, I didn't follow a conventional path into technology, so definitely want to say that from the get-go. I actually started off in communications. I, you know, growing up, I thought I wanted to be a broadcast journalist. I wanted to be on TV. Um, you know, went to school for that at University of Texas, um, you know, and, and got to work at all the places I wanted to work, uh, did, you know, work in front of the camera, behind the camera, produce documentaries is, you know, I, I got to do all the stuff I wanted to do. And, and at some point I just, um, you know, always joke and I say that, uh, I got tired of, you know, covering fires for local, uh, for local TV channels. Hmm. Uh, cause there's only so many times you can, you know, ask someone like, how do you feel? I mean, their house just burnt down. Right. So it's, <laughs> it got to a point where I was like, okay, I think I'm done with the news business. And I went into corporate comms and then in corporate comms got bit by the business bug and went more into the business side of things and being, being in the business side, um, I kind of, you know, got introduced to live streaming. So live video before, before we could go live on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. Yeah. Right. So, uh, meerkat periscope days, uh, mm. if people remember mm. those. Yeah. It's like, Oh, rings a bell a long time ago. Um, so I was one of the first people on, on some of those platforms, uh, worked very closely with like Twitter. Well, in that time it was periscope that quickly got bought by Twitter. So worked, uh, you know, on a relationship with Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, all the live video folks. And then what happened was um, I went to a conference. I was speaking about live video 
And um, I got invited to put a VR headset on, a virtual reality headset on. And, you know, I was a little skeptical at that time. Yeah. And I put it on, but um, I went into an um, into a virtual reality confinement, like solitary confinement cell um, in an experience called uh, Confinement by the Guardian. And, you know, it was just transformative in the sense that, you know, I was in a place I didn't want to be. Um, I started to feel empathy for people that are in those types of situations. And I took the headset off and I said, this is the future of star- storytelling on some level. And this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. I, I always say it's like I recognized the rocket when I saw one. And I did a very hard pivot into virtual reality, augmented reality, without having any technical skills at the time. And and it's just been, it's been a whirlwind ever since. Um, you know, HTC Vive worked with them as a VR evangelist during the partnership with Spielberg's Ready Player One. I went over to Magic Leap, which we can talk about if you want as well. Uh, then went over to Amazon Web Services and eventually launched uh, launched my own company that got acquired. And so now I'm part of Journey. And oh my goodness, it's just been a wild, non-conventional <laughs> way to uh, into the metaverse. I mean, as you describe that, what I'm sort of, uh, what sort of comes to mind and it makes me think about is the metaverse and Web3 feels, you know, so current and like something so new, but, you know, actually the roots of it, uh, the roots of a lot of it are are something that's actually been part of the tech industry for some time. It's just been, it's just really been in the world of early adopters for quite some time, right? So a a lot of the, the virtual reality stuff you're describing there, you know, you know, some of it even like, like probably. 10 years ago was just incredible and is even more incredible, but um, hasn't necessarily yet gone completely consumer, right? Like even though there's all these headsets and all these things, it's still something that's like somewhat like an early adopter thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's a lot of people that, that did have done amazing work um, ahead of me, like Tom Fernez, um, Tony Parisi, who's now at Lamina One with, uh, with Neil Stevenson, uh, Dr. Carolina Cruznera, who's at uh, University of Central Florida, just amazing folks that have been working in this much longer than I have. So, um, so it's, it's been interesting and, and yeah, for me, it's been an evolution beyond just VR and AR, um, you know, stepping more into web three and gaming, um, about, you know, about two years ago. So, so yeah, it's, it's been an evolution of sorts for me as well. Um, you know, from, I've been, I've always been an early adopter. I think I've always Mm. been an early adopter at heart. The first time I heard the term futurist, I said, I I think, I I think that's me. I think I'm one of those. And, um, and kind of just started to learn a little bit more about what futurists do and got trained in strategic foresight. So, so yeah, I'm a chief metaverse officer journey. I'm also a tech futurist and uh, author and <laughs> just a multi-hyphenate kind of a professional. And what is what does Journey do? So Journey is a new uh, design and innovation consultancy. Um, we we build we build real products for real people in whichever reality <laughs> they want to inhabit. Uh, so you know, I hit up the Metaverse Studio. So very focused on everything Metaverse and Web three. But we have a wonderful conversational AI studio. We have a physical studio that is working on, you know, mind-blowing projects like the MSG Sphere and TSX Entertainment. Mm. Um, so, yeah, we just, we're doing a lot of in- really interesting work uh, across physical, immersive, gaming worlds. Um, yeah, it's a, it's kind of a, a, a new type of uh, new type of company. Well, so tell me a little bit about when you started to become passionate specifically and interested in, you know, what we're calling today the metaverse. And I, I, should we call it mm-hmm. the metaverse or is that just like a Facebook word? 
No, no. So I think that the biggest misconception is that, that it's meta, right? That it, or that is virtual reality only, or that it's Ready Player One. Uh, mm. Ready Player One is pretty dystopic, right? So we shouldn't, we should want the graphics are great, right? But we shouldn't right. want the, the the rest of the story, which is pretty, uh, pretty, you know, dystopic. Yes. Um, so yeah, I mean, the word metaverse, you know, are we going to use it in 10 years? I'm not sure, right? Um, what I tell people is like, let's get away from the hype of the word, the pollution around the word. And if the metaverse is truly the successor state to today's mobile internet, what does that mean for you? What does that mean for your brand? Um, you know, the internet's going to continue evolving. What will it evolve into? Um, many of us consider it you know, the next phase to be the metaverse, uh, a, f- a further convergence of physical and digital lives and a more immersive internet that is 3D, is all around us, is social, it's persistent. Um, so yeah, to me, it's the, the metaverse is is not one technology and it's not one company. It's enabled by many different technologies, and we're building it today. It's not here fully and it's full, you know, it's full vision. And how did how did I get interested in it? Um, you know, I think the first time I kind of came across that was definitely with Snow Crash, Neil Stevenson's book Snow Crash, uh, which coined the term metaverse. Um, so then you know, working at Vive. Um, during the partnership with Spielberg's Ready Player One, that kind of idea and that concept. Mm. Uh, and then at Magic Leap, I, I have to say that a lot of the thinking I have um, in, in, you know, and I have built through the years is very much informed by the concept and the vision that Magic Leap had. Um, Magic Leap, for those of you that don't know the company, um, they create uh, spatial computing devices. Really, they're, for, for lack of a better term, and to make it really easy for people to understand, think about augmented reality glasses. Um, it's more complex than that. But um, but yeah, they, they I went to work for them thinking it was they were the next Apple, like a lot of people did. Um, you know, Neil Stevenson, like I said, who meant, coined the term metaverse, worked there uh, as the chief futurist. And when I was there, one of the North Stars for the company was what they called the Magicverse, like a branded version of or the, or their vision of what the metaverse could be. So I have, you know, I've been talking to executives about this concept of the metaverse for years. Like I have mm. videos from like 2018, um, you know, 2019 keynotes where I'm already explaining, trying to explain you know, what, what this convergence of physical and digital is. So. So yeah, it, it has informed my thinking. Uh, VR informed my thinking. Spatial computing and AR informed my thinking. Um, cloud computing and large-scale gaming simulations at AWS informed my thing. Informed my thinking. And then once I started getting more into the NFT, blockchain, Web three side, that informed my my thinking around it as well. So, so yeah, um, it's been <laughs> it's been an interesting path uh, towards towards becoming you know uh, the chief metaverse officer at Journey. Well, so let's dive in a little bit into the, into what you said there, that convergence mm-hmm. of physical and digital, that yeah. seems to be, you know, somewhat at the root of what we're talking about, or at least an important part of it, right? How, how, mm-hmm. do, you, how do you see that convergence now and, and in the future? Yeah, um, I mean, I'm starting to see it, especially when you look at y- younger generations. Um, and I always use this example um, is, you know, for, for most of, for, for both, you know, for both of us and for most of the people listening uh, to the podcast, their, their first concert was probably in a physical venue, probably a stadium and seeing a physical artist uh, singing their favorite songs. Um, for my son, it was actually Little Nas X in Roblox a um, mm. couple couple years ago during the pandemic. And, you know, he says, I was there. I saw Nas in first person. So it's this shift in in, in the sense that for, for these younger generations and for many people, really, um, just because it happens in a virtual space does not make it less real. 
right? It's very real to them. Just like many of us had to have, you know, Zoom, Christmas, or Hanukkah during the pandemic, it happened. Like just because it happened on Zoom didn't make didn't make it not real. It right. did happen. It's just how we had to celebrate. So, um, so there's further convergence of physical and digital, and and what we understand is identity in these spaces. You know, for the younger generations, that blurry edge that separates physical world and virtual world is getting blurrier by the day. So, um, so yeah, like I, there's this kind of evolution in kind of how we see ourselves and we, where we show up. Um, and, and I think to me, one of the big important things is also the importance of gaming as we head into these spaces. Um, and we kind of, you know, merge physical and digital, like gaming has never been more important than ever before, because we're using a lot of the game engines like Unity and Unreal Engine and those, those types of engines to create a lot of the content. Um, that we're seeing in gaming spaces, but also, you know, content that you're going to start to see, um, you know, in Web3, etc. So, so it's, it's this really interesting moment that we're living through right now, um, a big change. And any, any parent that is listening to this sees their kids playing Roblox or Fortnite Creative or Minecraft and starts to see that these they're becoming world builders. They're building things. They're playing in these spaces. These spaces are becoming their new social networks, their new campfires. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's a bit of an interesting shift happening. You know, the couple of questions I want to ask there. So one yeah. is around identity you brought up. The, the second thing is I, you know, I've heard you say that you, it drives you nuts when people say the real world versus <laughs> the, you know, how, how do you think we should, you know, how should we think about, or how should we talk about, or what's mm -hmm. the right language for, discerning or differentiating because on the one hand I, you know i get the idea that like it's it's real here and it's real there that's true too i mean that's obviously mm -hmm. true on the other hand there, there's something different right it's like we sometimes yeah. we do try and differentiate between those things like what's where do you think that differentiation lies i think it's the term physical and the term the, ter the term virtual so like we're still going to be physical beings in the physical world that's not going to change we're still going to need clothes and detergent and you know deodorant or whatever um so i don't i don't see that changing but what you're starting to see is a further expansion of who we are in the virtual right and, and who you know how we show up um how we dress our avatars what virtual assets do we own um you know you're starting to see some of that convergence right with houses being sold that as nfts or um you know or, or or an nft that has an actual you know car attached to it so so i think you're starting to see kind of that that further convergence it's still early the reality is that it's still really early and what we're doing right now is pioneering and testing and learning like it's it's an interesting time to be alive that's that's you know it's it's a time of reinvention in some ways but i would advise people to like not say like real or um versus you know virtual or digital like i would suggest it's you know your physical world and your physical life and then you've got a virtual persona that you are uh, whether you're on social media or whether you're in, in, in the gaming platforms, but there is th this world. And I think that that convergence, when we converge physical and digital and potentially we have some type of wearable like glasses, that's where you're going to start to combine who you are in the physical world with who your virtual persona is. Um, and that's where identity, I think, starts to get really interesting. Identity is already a super interesting topic within gaming economies and, and virtual worlds and the gaming space, right? Um, but I think it's going to get really interesting once we converge that fully. Yeah. And I, I was really struck by that. I think you, you, you know, you have a podcast uh, on mm -hmm. Adweek, which is pretty, pretty well listened to by, by marketers. Um, mm -hmm. And I remember, I'm sorry, I didn't go back and listen to it just recently. So it's been a little yeah. bit of time now, but I remember you, 
um, had like at one point not too long ago, you'd interviewed, uh, you know, a former like trader who had gotten into, who'd sort of changed careers and now is like sort of like mm -hmm. focused on trading like NFTs and cryptocurrency and stuff like that. And his name in the podcast was G Money, I think. Yeah. And yeah. if memory serves, like I don't really, I don't, re I could be wrong, so please correct me, but I don't mm -hmm. remember you sort of saying like, here's yeah. his full name. It was just like, here's nope. G Money, right? <laughs> I know him as G Money. I call him G. I'll say, hey, G. Um, I No, I know him as G Money. I don't know his, you know, his, uh, you know, yeah. his, the name that he was his given when he was born, right. okay. his physical name. Yeah. Um, and even when you meet him in person, like normally you don't take photos. Or if you take a photo, you put his... Um, is CryptoPunk on top of it, right? Mm. Not to, 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 you know, to get doxxed. Right. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of that. I think, you, you know, Yuga Labs who had the Bored Apes, who has the Bored Apes, their founders were, you know, used their, um, their, you know, their, their avatars and their, their pseudonyms for a long time um, until they got, you know, doxxed. But, um, but yeah, I think there's a lot of that of exploration of, you know, who do you, who are you? Who do you become? Um, yeah. But, but, you know, in, in itself, there is an exploration of the self and an exploration of creativity because from a personal perspective, like I've been able to start designing, you know, uh, Web3 jewelry, which I'm la launching a collection and uh, I'm designing virtual couture with celebrities like Madison Beer. So like, you know, virtual fashion designer, virtual concert producer, uh, hologram stylist. These are these are things that a lot of us never envisioned we would be doing. Um, but many of us are starting to do, to do these things. And it's such, a, it's such an interesting thing to follow because on, on the one hand, you know, by, by call, going by G money in the, in this case mm -hmm. and not sort of sharing the physical name, you know, the person has chosen to like, to some extent relinquish all of the, you know, sort of equity of their identity that they have in the physical world. They're, they're like not, they're not, you know, building on that or bringing that with them. Um, which is, you know, it's a big step. And on the other hand, they have the opportunity to be somebody completely new. Well, he's he's built, uh, you know, a lot of equity on the G-Money name. I'm sure. Yeah, no, <laughs> so, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. So it's been fantastic. Um, yeah. It's, but yeah, there is this opportunity of, of reinvention. And So, how, I mean, as you as you see sort of physical and digital integrating more, right? And, I, you, you know, you brought mm -hmm. up the goggles. And I think even like the earliest versions of some of our ideas around this stuff was you know, this idea that you'd be able to just like overlay all of this information from the mm -hmm. internet onto, into the physical world. And, you know, we're seeing lots of development in, in AR and, you know, a Apple is rumored yeah. to have sort of an AR headset and there's lots of different things. So um, how do you think about the way identities will converge and like whether these, these sort of virtual identity, how do these virtual identities and physical identities converge as the spaces converge? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast and up to 25% off outdoor. 
That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. One of the things that I look at the most when it comes to that is um, self-expression, you know, and how do we express ourselves? So in the physical world, a lot of the time, you know, we're limited by the bodies we're born into um, most of the time. And um, when we, when we express ourselves, normally it's through fashion, right? Mm. Um, normally it's through fashion, how we express ourselves and, 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 and how we make a statement about who you are or how you feel that day. And I think that you're starting to see a lot of that with virtual fashion as well in how you dress your avatar and how you show up. And um, to me, the really interesting part is when you start to think about physical fashion and augmented reality fashion. And, you know, maybe I'm going to wear something in the physical world that has a virtual component that, you know, shows up differently for you than for someone else. Uh, or my clothes are going to represent different colors depending on who's seeing them or how I'm feeling. So th- there is this this interesting moment right now of how does what are the fashion choices that we make in the virtual space and how are they going to you know translate into the physical world? Um, I do have to say, and 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 I do truly find this a little poetic, um, is that if you look at like the Web one, Web two era. Um, yeah, you know, you got the, you know, the tech juggernauts of today and stuff, but you also had, for example, if you're being, if we're being honest, uh, adult entertainment really pushing the boundaries of sure. the technology, right? Yeah, of course. Um, into each zone. But, uh, but when you look at web three and the metaverse, like to me, it's really poetic that it's fashion, fashion hmm. and art, uh, and in some level architecture too, but fashion and art really pushing the limits of this. And it's poetic because we all make fashion choices every day. Even if you choose to put on the same outfit, you're making a fashion choice. So there's something there that excites me of the humanity of, of, of fashion and excites me about the, the possibilities for creativity in ways we've never seen before. So I know you've done a bunch of work with fashion generally in the metaverse. Um, mm-hmm. You had a collab, a collab with The Fabricant. Um, which is a mm-hmm. startup located in Holland. Um, there's, you know, just more generally, there's been, uh, I think there was a Metaverse Fashion Week this past yeah. May. Um, talk a little bit about about your experience with fashion in the Metaverse, what you what you personally are wearing, I guess I would say, and, you yeah. know, and how, how you have expressed yourself that way. And um, tell me about some of the, the collaborations you've done. Yeah, so definitely with The Fabricant, um, I was invited by Carrie Murphy and the team there to be part of uh, their studio, their Fabricant Studio, Studio Zero cohort. Uh, and I was able to design the godmother of the metaverse dress, uh, which is, it's a gown and sold as an NFT. And, you know, never, never, never would I have ever thought that I was going to be bad, you know, fashion designer <laughs> to, to the list of things I would do in my life. Um, you know, maybe a, like a dream that I had, but I didn't think it was going to come true. But that kind of lit a fire. And I said, wow, I can do this. And this is beautiful. And, um, and, and things like that. So then also like Metaverse Fashion Week, um, I got a call from Bozen Protocol and Decentraland inviting me to be the, uh, and 3DM as well, inviting me to, inviting me to be the chairperson for, for Metaverse Fashion Week. So that was thrilling. Um, I hologrammed in uh, live into the Centerland. No one has really done that before. It's volumetric video, not really hologram, but um, for lack of a better word, you know, I hologrammed in as myself uh, into Decentraland and no one had done that at that moment. So that was really exciting. It was live. And um, yeah, and then also my avatar for Metaverse Fashion Week, um, I chose an outfit that, that was presented to me 
um, um, by, uh, by the folks at 3 that knew a uh, Natalie Trevon, uh, who's a blind, uh, vir- blind, blind virtual in virtual fashion designer. So she's blind, but she's using all the technology to be able to create accessible fashion and, and prove that, you know, anyone, anyone can do these things. Um, and, and, you know, she's been amazing to work with. She dressed me in this beautiful wedding dress. Um, you know, I'm already married, but, um, <laughs> but it was beautiful to wear it. And, and it was to me a testament of how powerful these technologies are, you know, she probably would not have been given an opportunity like that in, in the physical world. And in the virtual world, she's doing amazing things. I, I actually just um, sponsored some of her work, uh, some of the collections she showed at a, at a smaller fashion week. So, so yeah, you know, <laughs> to me, it's, it's dressing my avatar, but also making statements about who I am and what I believe in and, and, and who I support. And, you know, and I myself, I'm looking at, you know, how do I design fashion lines? Um, I think the biggest moment for me in this fashion space has been twofold. Um, one of it was um, going into New York, fa- New York, fa- hold on, New York Fashion Week this uh, this um, this year mm-hmm. in September. Um, got invited to many shows, including Tommy Hilfiger's return to the to the runway there, and um, and it was interesting because I'm there, you know, and I show up. I've gone to Fashion Week before, but usually you would get asked like, "Who do you? What? Who are you? What do you do? What do you do?" And I would always be like, "I work in technology." It's almost like a whisper. Right. <laughs> if you're in a runway show, they're like, "Why is the tech person?" Like, here? "Oh, you're here for the um, watch or something." Yeah, why is she here? Um, <laughs> but this year it was more like, "Ooh, really? Tell me more." So it was this different moment, and um, it, there was a moment where I'm in the Tommy show, and um, Tommy and Tommy Hilfiger and the CEO of Tommy, the Tommy brand. Um, are in the VIP area and they see me and they pull me into the VIP area and I'm I'm in there with G Money Fawocious who's also a, you know a good, good well known creator in Web three um, Gary V somewhere around there and then in the same VIP area you had Chris Jenner and La Roach and Sean Mendez and Travis Barker and for me it was a moment um, of like wow like fashion is recognizing the power of Web3 in the metaverse in a way that I would have never guessed. Uh, I never thought it would happen this fast. So mm. it was really, to me, mind-opening. So th- that's one moment. And then the other moment that has really cemented part of my passion in, in the space is actually getting to produce a virtual concert. So for Walmart Land, um, my team at Journey built Walmart Land for Walmart and also Universal Play. And we also produced a concert with them called Electric Fest. And um, I got to went to LA, I produced a motion capture with Kane Brown, uh, who's a country artist that is doing more pop. Uh, Youngblood, who's a punk rock, um, you know, artist, and then Madison Beer, who's pop, and, and she's just beautiful. Um, she's like a like a Disney princess. And um, I produced the motion capture, but then I worked with them and their teams on virtual couture looks. Right. So mm. what yeah. I mean by this is that you know, hot couture is usually a an item that you wear once, a one of one, a very special look. Right. So think like think like Jennifer Lopez in the green Versace dress. Everyone remembers that image. Right. So I'm not dressing J-Lo, but I'm working with these other stars to start to create, you know, virtual, you know, fashion moments of impact in virtual spaces. So we worked very closely with them to design special looks for the concert Um, with Madison Beer. For example, we created a beautiful gown that she wore that would light up and the, you know, the fans that were in the, the, that went to the festival in in Roblox, they were just in awe. It's, you know, it's so interesting because, you know, if you go historically back when technology and like the internet Mm -hmm. Fashion was, you know, at the very early beginning, they were actually the last, it was the mm-hmm. last, last industry at the beginning, right? It was like, 
it was like, I, I remember, I won't name the brand, but I remember going to like a very prestigious fashion brands website in like 2007. And at, even then at that time, the website was essentially a picture of the ad that had run in vogue that month. That was all they were willing mm -hmm. to put up. And a lot of it was because, you know, they really, at the time, especially the sort of high end, really saw their product as as scarce and exclusivity, yeah. right? And so the last, you know, it was like, you can only, there's only 10 of these bags or a hundred of them and you can only get them at this really, this one store and they're very expensive. And so the last thing they wanted to do was like have it, you know, like anybody could go experience it right on a website. It was mm -hmm. very, it was very um, exclusive, but uh, you know, I, I just, the transformation is really, as you say, is phenomenal because it really, they, the fashion industry is to some extent a big pioneer in the web three space um, in general. And I, you know, I guess I wonder wh why do you think that is? Is it because, because people want to dress and express their identity through fashion and it just, it's, it's like the, they see that young people, this is mm -hmm. a new, it's a new market for them really at the end of the day. Right. It's like, we're, we, we're going to sell physical dresses, but we also now have the opportunity to sell these virtual dresses. Yeah. Or we're going to find a way to tie the virtual dress to the physical dress, right? Mm -hmm. What I call the path to commerce or, or the new metaverse commerce models that are, that are arising. So the reason I think that, you know, that fashion has really become this, this catalyst is because they, they, they start to see the trends, right. in in, in culture, um, you know, fashion and culture are intertwined together. And now fashion, culture, and gaming are intertwined together as well. Um, so they started to see kind of how things were changing and attitudes of, of the, their customers were changing. And, you know, um, you know, and yeah, there's, I, I would say there's definitely a big influence from Asia in mm. how accelerated, um, you know, avatar fashion has been over there. But but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I love the fact that they took a lead. I love that like Gucci, Tommy Hilfiger, Ralph Lauren, um, you know, all of these brands are doing amazing things in the space. I, to be honest, like my first metaverse client was Ralph Lauren. I, I created their foundational metaverse strategy, and um, and it's just been it's just been an amazing experience ever since. So so yeah, I think that they recognized a change in 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 what fashion is in fashion and what fashion becomes in the future. So, you know, we were talking earlier, you really, you know, that you, you gravitate toward that word futurist. When you heard that, you thought mm -hmm. that that's something I'm interested. That's me. Let, let's yeah. talk a little bit about your, your view on the sort of, you know, the near term, like the next, let's say three to five years. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about how you see the internet and, and web three evolving or, mm -hmm. or co-evolving. Like what, what's that experience going to look like, you know, for, for regular people? Yeah, I mean, I think we're going to see a further evolution. Um, I think gaming is going to get more interesting, uh, going to get more immersive. Um, you know, I don't know if we'll get interoperability in three to five years. That's still a really hard thing to solve for. Um, but, you know, some some level of openness, maybe where you, buy, you have a skin, maybe you might be able to move it to a different um, game. So, you know, I don't know if in three to five years that might happen. It might, you know, someone might be uh, cracking the code right now. But, um, yeah, I think, you know, more more projects that don't use the word nfts <laughs> mm. or web3 or you know or, or, or things like that i think for example what starbucks is doing not using that term i think is fantastic for mass adoption um i think more projects with true utility what's the true utility uh token gated commerce i think is going to be massive um you know um, my friend Zoe came and does a lot of work around the future of fandom 
Um, I love looking at that, everything that she's talking about when it comes to future fandom and how you engage with the brands, the the teams, the products, the you know the services that you love. Um, so yeah, the, the next three to five years are going to be intense. Um, what I will tell you, one thing that I do believe wholeheartedly, and, and I do believe this, is that you're going to see more and more people getting hired to lead metaverse and web three inside big organizations. Mm-hmm. Um, whether they use the term, you know, the title chief metaverse officer or not, I, I, I don't care. Um, I gave myself that title as a, a conversa- conversation starter about who's going to lead in the, you know, companies into these spaces, but you're going to start to see more of that. You know, you've got CAA hiring a chief metaverse officer. You got Telefonica, one of the world's biggest telcos hiring a chief metaverse officer. You have, you know, uh, LVMH uh, having a head of metaverse and crypto, Crate and Barrel having, uh, you know, Sebastian Brower leading metaverse and Web3 there. So I think you're going to continue to see a new breed of professional that is going to be leading organizations of many different sizes into this future. Um, and yeah, I'm very bullish about that. I, you know, I even I even wrote a book that is coming out in January, um, and and that book is written for the professionals that want to lead their organizations, their startups, their nonprofits uh, into that future. One thing I wanted to sort of ask and touch on and really dive into a little bit more is, at the mm-hmm. end of the day, at least today, this is still a very yeah. early adopter world, right? Like, yeah, it's still for most people pretty difficult to have a lot of these experiences, right? So. Even the even the act of something simple like you know if you wanted to buy your .eth name or something you know can take like half an hour and require a, yeah a, a lot of technical oddly technical skill and you know I think I think we've all seen you've seen I've seen you know the history of the internet is that like as long as it's te- technically difficult like it doesn't happen for consumers right the yeah. the birth of online video was was flash was Flash 7 when you didn't have to like download a codec and insert it into this file and find this thing. You just push mm-hmm. this play button on the web browser and it made video work, right? Do you yeah. think, like how far off are we from that happening and, and what's the limiting factor today? Well, I mean, there's many limiting factors, right? When it comes to like, you know, wearing glasses and seeing all the data in front of you first, the hardware is not there. Hmm. Uh, the connectivity is not there. We won't even need 5G. We're talking about 6G, like... So yeah, there's a lot of the infrastructure that's not here yet uh, when it comes to that part. And yeah, I mean, the blockchain part, um, it's still, it's still, there's still a lot of friction, right? It's still yeah. hard. <laughs> I, I advise anyone that's interested in, in that space to like open your wallet, your crypto wallet, buy an NFT. Like it's still a bit of a hassle, still painful. Oh yeah, it's very, um, it's so, very challenging yeah. still. <laughs> Do you think, and what about the hardware itself? I mean, I, I, I yeah. still, I still have this feeling, which is maybe just sort of like Rube and newbie-ish or something that like when I see people wearing VR headsets or myself included, yeah. I see a picture of it. I yeah. just get this sensation of like fast forward to the future, looking back at that picture and laughing at laughing, mm-hmm. you know, sort of like yeah. how we laugh at like the fax machine or we laugh <laughs> at like the you know, the 14 inch phone with the brick behind it. That's what it feels like to me. I, yeah. You know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's, it's just. No, no, no. I agree with you. I don't think we're going to be wearing VR headsets. I think yeah. we're going to wear glasses. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ray-Ban, what I call the Ray-Ban moment. It's going to be beautiful form factor. So it's going to be, it's going to be some type of wearable. That's not a VR device. To me, the future is less ready player me and more Pokemon Go. Um, I still love the physical world. I want to see the physical world around me. I just think that there's going to be a lot more date, like important information or data or, or even art around me that's virtual. Well, just to, on the ready player, one thing, I think it's a, it's yeah. a good thing to talk about and ask about. I mean, I think, 
um, you know, there, there is a world of people out there who see a lot of this work and these experiences in a very dystopian way. Some of that's yeah. from, you know, some of the future reality Neil Stevenson has painted for us mm-hmm. in some of his books and Ready Player One being among them. Um, you know, how do you think about that? And I, I just would say to add to that, yeah. there's a lot of excitement around, as an example, there's a lot of excitement around like this new meta headset that's out, although it's, you know, it's pretty expensive, but there's a lot yeah. of discussion to talk about how sort of forward it is and technology. But I've also seen a lot of people talking about how there's, and I'm sorry if I'm going to get the exact number wrong, but there's like 14 cameras that are pointed into the eyes of your yeah. soul also, and people being somewhat, <laughs> you know, rightfully so yeah. freaked out about that. Um, what do you, what, yeah. do you, what do you say about all that? Do you think it's just like, Hey, we got to get through it and it is what it is. Or do you think? No, no, we, we need to actively be conscious about the amount of biometric data. You know, um, a lot of these devices have iris scanning, right? <laughs> they, they know how you walk. They know how you, they track your hands there. This is a lot of data they're collecting, yeah. you know, when you're talking about wearables, whether it's, you know, augmented reality glasses or a VR device. So, so yeah, we should be knowing where this data is going, what it's being used for. Um, I think that there is an element, a hope in my in my mind that blockchain uh, could help us in the future potentially own our own data. And, you know, I think owning our own data and knowing what we're doing with our own data could be really positive for humanity. Um, so, so yeah, I think that, that there's a lot there. As far as the device goes, like it's, it's a, it, I haven't tested it, but it's, you know, it's a prosumer enterprise device of sorts. I mean, it's, it's the great specs and everything, but it's, it's, to me, it was meta catching up to the rest of the industry. I mean, hmm. HTC Vive, Magic Leap, like they've all pivoted into, enter- they all pivoted into enterprise at some point. So it was, I think them pivoting into enterprise for a little bit further um, because, you know, only prosumers are really going to buy that type of device, that type of headset. So, so yeah, I'm excited about it. I mean, is it groundbreaking, like life-changing? There's headsets out there like the Vario, V-A-R-J-O, Vario, um, that is like, the most eye eye quality, like it's just a mind blowing VR headset if you wanted one. Hmm. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I haven't tested it. I haven't tested the new meta headset, but to me, it's them catching up. I don't know. <laughs> I, I hope the future is less ready player me and more Pokemon go. That's, that's, that's what I'm going to stick to. And, and yeah, I do think that, you know, dystopic novels like Ernie Klein's ready player one and, and, you know, and Neil Stevenson's um, Snow Crash and Verne Vinga's uh, Rainbow's End. Like, yeah, they're sci-fi. They, they, they're they dystopic. Like, they're, you know, they're science fiction. It's not, that's not the reality we need to have, nor nor the reality that, for example, Neil Stevenson is building. Like, he's he's building Lamina One, which is uh, an open, uh, you know, a layer one um, blockchain that hopes to have, like, hopes to enable an open metaverse. So, so I, I think there's a lot of really amazing thing hap- things happening beyond the science fiction. And we need that science fiction to to, to sort of keep yeah. us on our toes about where, where mm-hmm. the places we don't want to go, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kathy Ackle, thank you so much. It's been great to have you on the Webby Podcast. Um, thank you again so much for being a judge. We're excited to, to work yeah. with you this year, and, and congratulations on all the success. Thank you so much. A huge thanks to our judge and Academy member, Kathy Hackle, for stopping by the Webby podcast. You can keep up with Kathy by visiting her website, kathyhackle.com, C-A-T-H-Y-H-A-C-K-L.com, and follow her socials for all the latest updates on all things Metaverse, Web3, fashion, and the like. She's at Kathy Hackle, C-A-T-H-Y-H-A-C-K-L, again, in most places. You can reach me on social at DMD Likes. Our editor is Kate Michigan. Our editorial lead is Jordana Jarrett. Our producer is Cecilia Betzel. Music is Poddington Bear. Claire Graves is our president. I'm your host, David Michelle Davies, and this is the Webby Podcast.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.